Well, this feels familiar, doesn't it? It's deja vu all over again, as Yogi Berra would say. Welcome to Philly's Therapy. My name is Paul Boyer, joined, as always, by the Athletics' Matt Gelb. Just like last year, 2022, when the Phillies and Braves did the same exact dance with the Phillies taking Game 1, losing Game 2, coming home for a swing Game 3. Shades of the 2011 NL Division Series, if you really want to torture yourself, but either way, the Phillies took one on the road, they got their road split, and that's all we really need to think about right now. We don't really need to think about the way Game 2 ended now. They got their split. It's 1-1, coming home. Citizens Bank Park is going to rock, even though it's a 5 o'clock Eastern start for reasons. We'll get into all of that in just a second. As I mentioned, I am joined by the inimitable, the formidable, the irreplaceable Matt Gelb. Matt, I, I don't know if you can hard, tell by hard disagree about that. <laughs> I don't well, I don't know if you could tell by my my Jerry Blavitt open here that I, I've got a little bit of nervous energy uh about this game, even though even though the matchup suggests that the Phillies should maybe have an edge in this one, probably have an edge, look to to jump back ahead in this series. I I don't know. We need to talk about games one and two first. So before we get into all that, how are you, Matt? Uh, I'm good. Uh, and the first two games were tremendous baseball. And I think yes. the reason why you're nervous is because you know that, as everybody else knows, that the Phillies have to win game three. I mean, it's it's not yeah. a must win in the in the in the mathematical sense. It's essentially a must win. You have a huge edge in this game. They don't probably have an edge. They have an edge. They have a mm. huge edge in this game because the Braves do not have a good pitching plan. Uh, and they know it. The Phillies know it. Uh, you know, this is a game that they have to win. Uh, you're back on your home turf. Uh, you win. And, and yeah, Strider's pitching game four. But if you win game three, you're, you put the pressure on the Braves, even with right. Strider on the mound, because they can be eliminated if they don't win. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's what I keep leaning on. Uh, you would have liked to have seen the Phillies hold on in game two. They did not. The Braves took that game back as much as the Phillies let it go. Let's be clear about that. And now you're right. They have an advantage. They have Aaron Nola, the playoff Aaron Nola, you assume, going. You know, Ronald Acuna and Austin Riley have had their fair share of knocks against Nola, but he's held most of the rest of the lineup in check. He usually switches it into another gear here in the playoffs. He's at home. The fans are going to be crazy. The Braves have a very uncertain pitching plan ahead of them that as of our recording right now, they haven't even announced, but we think we might know, know what's what going to happen. Do. What what, yeah. what do we think they're going to do? Uh, I think AJ Smith Shaver is going to start. Uh, he's 20 years old, started the year at high A. He's only pitched twice in the major leagues since the end of June. Uh, the Phillies did not see him at all this year. Uh, you know, had, had a great year in the minor leagues and they really pushed him. Uh, he would only be like a two or three inning pitcher. The most pitches he's thrown in the last like three months has been 60 ish. He really hasn't pitched uh, at all for weeks. Uh, big time risk. Like I think the Braves, what they're looking at, Paul, my understanding is they're just going to lean into this, to the high variance plan here. It is a plan of extremes. It could go really great for them. It could go really, really bad. And I think in addition to Smith Shaver, you're going to see this guy and I'm, and I don't know how to pronounce his name, so I apologize, but um, dice bell, dice bell Hernandez, Mm. Uh, who's a 27-year-old rookie uh, who has not pitched in the majors since late July. He only had four games in the majors this year, uh, has been hurt since. He's on their roster, uh, throws hard, uh, another right-hander. 
I think you're going to see him uh, as well. I think hmm. the only way you see Bryce Elder, who we all kind of thought might start, but weren't really sure, is if the Braves are losing and they need to soak up some innings. Uh, I don't think they like the matchup of Elder against the Phillies, and I think there's good reasons for that. Um, I think if the Phillies see Elder in a close situation, they're they're happy. The Phillies are really happy about that notion, mm. and that's why I think the Braves are – I think they're just leery about Elder today. So the Braves are leaning into the variance here. You're, you're, you know, they're throwing they, – you know, it's very possible they throw incredibly inexperienced and young pitchers into, um, you know, what is a hostile environment for a visiting player – and yes, that's why I think the Phillies have an edge and it doesn't guarantee a win, of course, but it's a, it's an edge that I think is uh, measurable and it's, it's a game they should win. You just on its face and just hearing all of that and, and reading that, if it were on a page, I would agree with you. I would think that you, you hear this uncertain pitching plan. It does again, remind you of last year when the Braves played Coy and then eventually said, yeah, we're going to throw Strider when he wasn't at hundred percent. And that's what we're going to go with. And of course that ended up working in the Phillies favor. But as somebody who, as somebody who watched, and I'm going to drop a name in just a second, as somebody who watched the, the golden years, Phillies, the, the middle of their run come up against just these unknown guys who would just randomly shut them down for reasons completely unknown. I'm always a little bit leery of the high variance guys especially when the Braves do it, because they always seem to play the right high variance cards. There is a pitcher who pitched for the then Florida Marlins in 2010. He only ever made five appearances, and his first two were against the Phillies. His major league debut, the Phillies in the thick of the division race against the Braves. It was like a half game between them at this point. Early September, a guy named Adalberto Mendez comes in and throws six innings of one-hit shutout ball. Now, I know that story ends up better and the Phillies go to the NLCS at the end of that season. Yes. Okay. But that is a guy whose name I remember five career appearances and all for embodying that random high variance plan that can just come in and frustrate the hell out of you. Now that doesn't make any rational sense. <laughs> no, I think you need some therapy. Uh, no, I think what I would say is that there's just such a difference between that in an early September and yes, the postseason. You're right. And like high variance in the postseason uh, typically doesn't work. Like it just doesn't work. And it's not to say that this plan for the Braves won't work. I mean, like I think their idea is like, let's attack the Phillies with the unknown. And mm-hmm. it's not a bad plan when your alternative is is when you really don't have an alternative, you know, they don't really have an alternative. Uh, so I, 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 I totally understand your trauma and, uh, <laughs> I'm not dismissing it because for all we know that could happen again tonight at yeah. Citizens Bank Park. I just yeah. think it's just such a different, it is just so different. It is so different. Just the energy and the pressure, uh, and the stress that will be on these inexperienced pitchers, uh, in a difficult environment, um, that is something that the Phillies must take advantage of. Okay, that that is totally legit. That is totally fair. I think if there is going to be a way where this thing goes sideways tonight here in Game 3, is if the Braves' offense comes out hot following... If, hmm. you, if you believe in momentum that it can survive a new starting pitcher, that it can survive an off day, that it can survive a change in venue, maybe it can. Maybe you believe strongly that it does. Maybe. 
Maybe the Braves offense comes out hot, and regardless of what the Phillies bats do against this inexperienced pitching lineup, the Braves keep swinging it. That would be a problem. That is the way I see this thing going sideways. Um, you feel like the first inning is going to be important tonight, right? Fir- doesn't oh, that, doesn't inning, it feel like yes. it, right? It Enormous. feels like it's going to be like, uh, it's just going to rightfully or wrong, wrongly going to set a tone. Well, he, here's the thing, right? The Phillies have done a very nice job in keeping Ronald Acuna in check. They've, they've walked him twice and they hit him once. So the, the, best, the best scoring, the best scoring team, the best first inning scoring team maybe ever hasn't yes. done anything in the first inning yet. Right. So continuing to keep him in check is the key. They let the, you could tell the things were going to start going sideways as soon as on Albie's single in game two, the throwback in hit the lip of the infield caught Turner by surprise and Acuna who, you know, for all his annoying to us personality tendencies is a very heads up baseball player. He picked up on it immediately and he scored. And that was really that that was all they needed to get the ball rolling. Literally, in this case. Um, but you need to keep him off the base pass as best you can. It's you're not going to keep him hitless the whole series. You can't count on that. But you need to keep bringing him up with nobody on base leading off the game. He'll do that. Obviously, you just don't want him to hit a, hit a home run there. But you need to keep you need to keep having these favorable spots where if he's going to come up and maybe he's got the matchup in his favor, maybe he doesn't. You just don't want to leave him in these damaged situations. So getting out in front early, making sure you retire him to start the game will be really big. Keep the crowd into it. Look, I know the Phillies crowd when we're there, we don't we don't we don't all sit down as soon as somebody reaches base in the first inning. Right. Like this isn't a crowd that shuts up immediately something really has to happen to get us to sit down the noise is going to be there they're going to be loud uh but as much as you can you need to keep that energy up and it's it's really going to hinge on nola to get through these guys especially with two guys who have really handled him well over a large number of plate appearances at this point yeah riley and acuna Mm -hmm. they've hit him really hard um the other thing i guess i would say to that point that you're making about the crowd is that like let's say the Phillies go down one run in the first inning or two runs. I mean, mm-hmm. this, this feels like a game where there could be runs on both sides. Yeah. Um, and like a two run deficit in this game feels um, minuscule in my opinion. So, I mean, that's how it has mm. to be looked at too. Right. If yeah. the Phillies do get down early, like I don't think, you know, acting as if it's the end of the world is probably not the best way to go about business, but I know how everybody reacts and that's fine. I get it. It's tough. I mean, everything is amplified. And we see that in the playoffs, right? Like you can you can live with, you know, the Braves scoring two runs if it's a game in the middle of July and just be like, oh, okay, that's annoying, but whatever. In the playoffs, it does feel different because everything around protecting those leads is yep. so different. Um, but to get back to the original point and, and to leave, you know, games one and two a little bit further in our rear view here, I do think it is very important for the Phillies to win this game, you know, keep home field advantage, give themselves a chance to clinch at home. I don't think it's an emergency if they lose. And maybe that's no, foolhardy. I think it is. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I get it. I get it. And this is like going in opposition to my irrational thought about tonight, about game three, is that I don't know. I I don't feel terrible about game four either way. I want them to go in with the, with a series lead. Of course I do. But I don't feel like you're pulling the ripcord on, you know, everything if that happens. Now, they're going to play it, you know, as if it's their last game because it might be if they fall down. Uh, but I I just I, I like 
the idea of facing Strider in Philadelphia. You have to think the, the, the Phillies didn't have a great showing against him in game one, but they, they did what they needed to do. You have to think at least somewhere in this guy's mind. And this is, this is what I'm banking on as a fan. Just again, more of the irrational stuff that he's got a little bit of last year haunting him just a little bit, even if it's a sliver, right? What if it's, what if it's motivating him instead of haunting him? No, I'm not thinking about that. I'm thinking about the way it benefits my team. <laughs> Leave that out of here. No, I just I... no my I'm, I I feel the same way you do about Game Four as I do Game Five. Like I think if the Phillies win uh... Game Three and lose Game Four, which you tip your cap because it's Strider. Sure. I, I they will be underdogs obviously in Game Five, but Wheeler there like you yep. feel you you have a chance like Game Five. I mean you have more than a chance like you have a good chance. Um, you know, Freed, you expect him to be better, but I'll say this, like, I think the concern on Atlanta's side about Freed wasn't so much about game two and more about game five. Yeah. They were concerned about how the hand, the blister would hold up on regular rest because he has not pitched on regular rest in a long time now. Mm -hmm. And that was the concern. Now they, they came out of game two saying the blister was an issue. It was more rust, et cetera. He had no feel for his slider. He could not throw a slider. And and two of the sliders he threw, one of them was in the first inning to Schwarber, who just just, just missed just an missed opposite it. field home run. Ugh. And the other one was to, to Real Muto, a slider that just absolutely did nothing. And that's what he threw only a few sliders. And JT crushed it for a two-run homer. And, you know, I, you have to assume you're going to see a better version of Freed, but that's not a layup. That's not guaranteed. And also, it's not guaranteed that Wheeler pitches as well as he did. Of course not. But sure. you 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 feel like going into a game five on the road at the best team in baseball, you have a better chance than you probably should. Yeah, I have a hard time disagreeing with that. I, I think what it all boils down to either way, any way you look at it, whether you look at it my way, you look at it your way, you look at it in your own fantastical creative way, however <laughs> you might be viewing these next couple of games. The Phillies are not in a bad spot. Yes, game two hurt. We get that. You know, think t- about all it took for the Braves to beat them in game two. Right. Well, yeah, they, they played the Phillies played such a clean game in game one. You saw what what a, a perfectly executed Phillies playoff game plan looks like in game one. In game two, they did not play a totally clean game. They still jumped out to an early lead. They handled Max Freed. They the offense got no, held no, down. I mean, after. No, yeah. Yeah. To it, me, it, the game was lost in the first inning. Yes, I thought. I thought the game was if you want to go back and re and and you know, you're not saying it in the moment, but I don't know, in the moment I was kind of like, wow, like I'm looking at the bullpen, they've got guys going, the Braves do in the first inning. Freed's up to 30 pitches. The bases are loaded. And Stott, if Stott just gets a two-out single there and scores two runs, uh I think the game is over. Like because the Braves probably would have had to go to a reliever there or at least go to a reliever to begin the second inning. And all of a sudden it is a very different game. And you can start patting your lead against their, you know, sort of their long or middle relief that you would be seeing. And whatever you want to discuss about the managerial choices, the the pitch choices, the bullpen choices, whatever, like leaving 11 runners on base in the first seven innings was why the Phillies lost the game in game two, like Mm -hmm. the end. Yeah, no, it is, you know, and you, you can think Zach Willier was left in too long. And obviously with the gift of hindsight, he absolutely was. We know that, but like. 
in the moment. I don't even agree. Um, I don't even know if hindsight that I would agree with that. Well, well, Darno hit the home run. So like literally no, it was, was a bad pitch. It was a mistake right. pitch. I mean, I don't know, but like. I, I did not. I, I was okay with him being left in. I, I'm with you in that. I was okay with that. I was surprised by it because I guess, yes, if anybody, Zach Wheeler is going to be the guy who stays in for an extra batter or two. It, it flew against what I have come to expect out of Rob Thompson and out of the coaching staff when it comes to pitching decisions. Maybe I need to have that permanently adjusted for Wheeler, but no, the, no, the, hy- the hyper aggressiveness yeah. was what I was expecting there. And I was just surprised. Yes, it didn't work out in the end. And, and that's kind of like, you know, ex post facto kind of stuff. But it, it was more just a surprise than me yelling at my, you know, screen, like, what are you doing, Topper? Like, I, I was. I was okay with it, all things considered. I think this is how I would break it down, is that uh, he had gotten Darno out on five pitches and two at-bats total. He struck him out on four pitches in the second inning, and he got him to fly out on the first pitch in the... The next time he batted, in the fifth inning, he got him, he hopped out, he flew out on the first pitch. And to that point, Wheeler had given up two singles and a walk. Mm -hmm. And if Darno was the tying run there... Uh, Wheeler would not have faced him as soon as the tying run was coming to the plate. I feel like Wheeler is out of the game there. Mm-hmm. And that is what happened. Uh, he gives up the home run to Darno, And now the tying run is at the plate because it's a one run game and he's out. And I don't know, like I. There's been a lot of discussion about this. I was kind of surprised that this like came out as like the prevailing narrative is that he was left in too long. I, I don't know, because like, you know, people were really upset that he was pulled too soon last year or that. You know, that they pulled Ranger too fast in game one. Like, I I don't know. I mean, like, I just to me, Wheeler is the one guy who does deserve the benefit of the doubt. And it's not just because of who he is. And it's also because of the way he was pitching. And even if you thought he lost a little bit, which maybe he did in the seventh, remember the sixth inning that run scores, it's an unearned run. I mean, like he gave right. up, he literally gave up a walk and a single right. in that inning and, and gave up a run. The other guys, he got out on two pitches, one pitch and then a four pitch strikeout. And like, I don't know, <laughs> like, I think he should have kept pitching. Yeah. I, and look, that's why I said, I agree with you that way. I thought it was okay. You know, Matt Olson leads off the seventh and he hits the ball hard. It is a single. He hits the ball. Matt Olson just hits the ball. He, he hits the ball hard. He's a good hitter. It was a Brazier's single. These guys. It, it was a single, but then he comes right back and gets Ozuna and it's right. the bottom of the order, yes. right? You, it's not like Olson's batting second in this variation of the lineup and you're facing you know, Riley or whatever. Like you've cleared Olsen. You have favorable matchups, even with, you know, Eddie Rosario in the mix before Pilar pinch hit for him. You figure that Zach Wheeler probably can still make that work, especially the way he looks rebounding to get Ozuna. He hung one and it was a bad pitch, you know, like the, the Phillies made two mistake pitches in the last three innings of the game, last two innings of the game. And two they mistake were pitches in two games, basically. Right. And like, the, that's Man. what the Braves do. Like if you, if you are not on the very top of your game, there's a good chance that they will hurt you for it. And they did. I mean, and to continue on giving the Braves a little bit of credit, which again, we do need to do here. The Phillies did not, you know, blow this in a vacuum. They didn't, they did not do this all themselves. Jeff Hoffman, how good has he been against right-handed hitters this year? He what, what was the number righties were slugging like 220 against him or something something like that. Yeah. And, you know, he gets Riley in a full count and 
and hangs one that Riley has to hit one-handed that clears the fence. And you know what? It wasn't a good pitch. You know, it wasn't a good pitch. No, it was not a good pitch. But hey, he had a base open and like it was just everything about it was a bad pitch, I thought. Like you know? to me, if you really want it, yeah. I, like, I, I wrote about it and like I thought I thought the situation called for fastball. And even though now I know that Riley said afterward he was looking for fastball, honestly, it didn't matter. Like he has not been able to hit a fastball, a high velocity fastball in this series yet. And that yeah. was their plan against him. And earlier in the at bat, you know, he he took a he took a really good fastball that was just a little up, good take, swung through a ninety-eight, you know, kind of elevated. And Real Muto tried to come back 2-2 with a fastball, same thing, and and Hoffman yanked it. And that kind of spooked JT, mm-hmm. and so that's why he called for the slider. And I get it, slider's been Hoffman's best pitch, but it's got to be out of the zone, get down in the yeah. way. It just was a, it was a really bad pitch. I think it was a bad pitch call, honestly. I think it was. Yeah, even with Olsen up next, you, you figure... Yeah. yeah, Soto's coming in. Yeah. Yeah. Soto's coming in for Olsen, yeah. So, you know, it it happened, man. The the Braves have good hitters, and sometimes they pounce on you if if you make a mistake. Jeff Hoffman, for as good as he's been, is in the midst of a career year, what is hopefully not a fluke, but he's not exactly riding on years and years of experience at this point where you can say that that was just a completely unbelievable thing. Like, and it, right. it happens. You I do think it'll things. be interesting to see if a similar situation comes up, whether it's Hoffman or Kirker in Game 3. I think with it being at home... That does make it more of an interesting thing. I, I like that Hoffman was the play in the eighth for obvious reasons. Like you don't want to lean on the rookie too, too much as impressive as he's been in his, you know, single handful of, of career appearances. You know, Hoffman's the play there over Kirkering for sure. But I do think we're getting a little closer to equilibrium. The more Kirkering comes in and throws up zeros. Not that you're, I'm not, I don't have wavering confidence in Jeff Hoffman. I still feel like what he's riding right now is, career best stuff and we should feel fine if he has to come in to protect a lead again tonight um but kirkering is definitely he's rising up the ranks quickly it's just a couple of games but i think we can all see that the stuff will play and can get hitters of this caliber out so i wouldn't be surprised one more thing about game three and you you mentioned acuna and riley's numbers against nola i do think it's interesting that this year in particular acuna against nola Mm-hmm. was uh two for 10 with uh one strikeout and just one extra base hit hmm. uh, it, it, a lot of the numbers are padded from earlier seasons like in 2018 well mostly 2019 2019 one of Noel's there uh, was no that was the follow-up was to Noel's best year right 2019 Acuna hit him really hard and he walked yeah. six times at two homers yeah but um this year was uh Noel had a good plan against him well, you got to hope that keeps up. <laughs> like I, I now I, Riley, I, Riley crushed him this year. I mean, Riley yeah. two home runs off of him. Uh, Riley, you know, Riley. I, I out of all those guys, like honestly, like I think Riley's Riley is the one that scares me the most because his at bats, like he he rarely swings at pitches out of the zone, and he's so good at fouling balls off. Like he's just um, he's so tough to get out. He's so tough to get out. He absolutely is, you know, for as much as Acuna can hurt you once he gets on base and he can get on base a number of different ways. Riley at the plate, man, he's like just he, nails. he he's won't nails. hurt you with the legs, he's but whew, yeah, he, he won't need to run too hard when that ball's going over the fence. Um, all right. Enough complimenting the Braves. I, I think the Phillies are <laughs> I think the Phillies are still in a good spot. Uh, I don't disagree he, with you. I don't you know, yeah. I mean, they have a, I think it's a huge edge in game three. Like, I think yeah. this edge is huge. The Braves do not have 
a coherent pitching plan. They really don't. I mean, like they they're gonna they're gonna try different things, but like they don't. The reality is they do not have a coherent pitching plan for this game, and you know it's because of injury and because of uh, ineffectiveness from a guy who was an all star, Elder Bryce Elder was an all star, and and his final few months were were, were not good. Uh, I, I I this is this is a this is a game Phillies have to win at home with that pitching advantage. Uh, to me, it's it's a good spot to be in, despite what happened in game two. Really. And I mean, and that wasn't a question mark, really. That was an exclamation. Point, really? really? Yeah, no, really. It, it's I know that can sometimes be a little hard to tell with the way I say these things. There's there's so much opportunity in front of this team right now to rebound from what happened in game two. Let's not look back on it and think of like, oh, this is their chance where they could have swept because it that's over. The, the series is tied at one and it's a best of three right now. The Phillies have the opportunity in front of them to retake control of this series. And they need to take advantage of it. Like how many times over the last couple of months did we see acts of baseball heroism wasted, you know, with the, with the big hits that, that Harper and sometimes Turner had in games that, you know, either the bullpen let slip or it's just something got away from them. You know, Harper's 300th home run comes immediately to mind. They did not let that happen in game one, right? There was heroic defense on Turner's part in the good way that time. Uh, and the pitching yeah. staff all bound, all bound together. They wasted it in game two. You could call Zach's outing something of a heroic effort. He only had those couple of hits. He was looking great into the seventh. And then the rest of it eventually got away. So like you can, you can say that they didn't take advantage of it there. They need to turn it back to the way they were executing against the Marlins and the way they executed in game one. Take advantage of the advantages that are provided to you and don't let up. Don't be, don't be content with four runs. Don't be content with five runs. I think it's easier for them to not let up at home, right? Sure. I would hope so. Yeah. Yeah. I would think so. Just, like you know, naturally. Right? Yeah. this is something that f- the Phillies have done different configurations. The players the last couple of years, when they get an early lead, sometimes the offense peters out later in the game. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, and this was more prevalent in 21 and 22, I think, than this year. But when they jump out to early leads, they're leading after the fourth inning, something like that. The offense kind of goes to sleep. Um, and I want to avoid yeah. seeing visions of that again. I don't want that coming back into the mix. They didn't have the they didn't pounce on the opportunities they had in game two to pad their lead. They let the Braves hang around. They let the Braves stay in it. That's how the Marlins won games all during the year, but they just kind of snuck through and like blooped their way in. The Braves, that's one of their their tools in their bag. They can bludgeon you, they can outpitch you, and they can also sneak back in if you let them hang around. They do it all. And you cannot let your guard down again in game three. Do you want to hear the most sickening take I have? Oh, boy. You know what? Yeah, sure. Let's go for it. Why not? <laughs> Let's hear it. A, a sweep would have felt too cheap. A sweep would have opened the door to the Braves oh, and everyone in baseball no. being like, oh, being no. like, oh, uh, you know, the layoff, oh, the playoff no. format... This is why the Braves lost. No, oh. like now it's a it's a series. The Braves got their big win. And if the Phillies win this series, there there aren't any excuses that you can reasonably offer and say, this is why the Phillies beat the Braves. It should be no, it's because the Phillies were better. Man. Uh I'm I'm a, I'm sad that I'm sad that this isn't a video thing that we're doing here because I'm just I'm sitting here with my head in my hand. I they should have won game two. Oh like, you know, God. it was a terrible loss. It was a terrible loss. It was a terrible loss. The Phillies should have won that game. 
Um, and to me, it all comes back to the 11 men they left on base because they really let the Braves off the hook early in that game. But if they would have swept the Braves, oh, what man. would the conversation have been? What would the conversation have been? Matt, from the brave side and from nationally what would the conversation have been right and that's all right so i'm wearing my national observer hat to to meet you on your level here and say yeah i'm not talking okay. about the conversation in philadelphia i'm talking about the no. conversation nationally and in atlanta and atlanta yes. would have been why don't they recede why did they get such a layoff why is the playoff format like this etc you, you know what man that that's their problem like like I, I, i'm not saying it's a real thing i'm just <laughs> telling just... you i'm just telling you that's what the conversation would have been had the phillies swept them Okay. Okay. I'd have been agree? fine with that. I just, I'd been, yeah, I'd be sleeping fine. Been fine with that. <laughs> I'd be sleeping fine, man. Like, I, no, I, I, I do hear you. And it, it's, it's interesting to just kind of say that. And I know people, you know, nine out of 10 people you say that to would be like, the hell are you talking about? What the hell are you on? Um, yes, I, I do think it would have caused a lot of people to say some very emotional things. We would have seen something on the level of 49ers fans and players in the wake of uh, <laughs> that conference championship, just breaking exactly. down, just yes. going absolutely crazy. It is something about the way Philadelphia teams are playing some of these other teams and other sports lately that just <laughs> causes brains to break. And I think if the Phillies had gone up to nothing and maybe pulled off a sweep in, in a parallel universe, that that absolutely would have happened again. Look, a lot of Braves fans are very self-serious and you can see that, you know, you can see that embodied in the way the person who runs their mascot account decided to to tweet about game one. Like they just, they, they, they're not having fun with anything. <laughs> I don't, I just, don't, I don't think they're having fun. I do not think they are having fun with this. They have, see, it, is there going to be a creative fanatic skit sometime during game three involving like a blooper blooper effigy? That honestly, I, I don't think <laughs> you feel like fanatic, it's going to happen, right? I don't, no, actually, I don't. But I, I don't think it's a zero. I think it's like 40-60 against. <laughs> but anyway, like, I, the, the Braves fans aren't enjoying this. The crowds were quiet for a, a full game and a I would half. say, yeah. I mean, they're the very nervous. end was exciting. Yeah, but the crowd, yeah. I mean, I, I was... They're not. They're, they're not. It was underwhelming. It. it was underwhelming. It was if, underwhelming. I mean, and obviously Philly... nothing is like what it's like here. But it was, yeah, being no. there and being in that, it was, uh, yeah, it was underwhelming. Right. And so if the Phillies had swept them, that they would have just been, it wouldn't have been fun. They would not have made it fun. There is no self-deprecation coming out of it. <laughs> and there feel isn't. Like, I feel like, yeah, Phillies fan you know, base needs some of that, right? We do. That, that is our coping mechanism. We self-deprecate. We are allowed to make fun of ourselves. We are allowed to denigrate ourselves. <laughs> Heaven forbid somebody from the outside tries to do that. You are not allowed to do that. But we do that when things go sideways. You need to give us a second to recover, but then we do it right? We have our ways of recovering from things like this. We have our ways of moving on. We have the emotional armor built up from years and years and years of watching terrible baseball sandwiched around the golden years of 07 through 11. We know how to deal with this for whatever reason, I guess because they've been too successful since the 1990s, the Braves fans aren't like that. And it makes it hard to like interact with them ever. Um, (laughs) I, I hope that changes and I hope I don't think any Braves fans will really listen to this and I don't really, I don't really care. Welcome. If you do, you're probably one of the good ones. I hope you find a way to enjoy some of this. You know, you'll probably say that if you go on to win the world series and that's fine. Like that, that is enjoyable. Anybody can enjoy that. But right now the Braves fans just seem uptight, you know, and maybe, maybe we spare them the, hopefully we spare them the, the agony of having to go through a game five and hopefully we spare the rest of the national audience, the, uh, 
<sighs> the chop again. I would like to I feel like uh hate to tell you this. Uh just just an, an impossible feeling to avoid. I feel like this game this series is going five. You know, and for the national audience it should. I feel like people out there deserve some kind of a classic. It's been sort of a dud in the wild card and division series for, you know, non participants so far. This series it feels like the series hope. is going five and it's yeah. the Phillies with their best pitcher. Uh in their place against the best lineup in baseball. And uh, if it goes five, uh, it could be, a, it could be a classic. Yeah. Well, it, it certainly would. I will sprout many gray hairs in the process, but uh, it would be hard to deny that it would reach classic status if we get to a game five. Okay. What have you, uh, what have you thought about the rest of the playoffs? And I would say that, uh, what a shame that the Orioles lost. <laughs> you, yeah, know, wow. do, do you know what they, they mentioned this during the game. They showed Mike Elias. They did. What a, what a team times. he built. Uh, and, uh, they mentioned Joe Davis, who does such a great job. And yes, I watched baseball last night, even though the Phillies weren't playing because that's what I do. I put the kids to sleep and I watch some more baseball, um, because I'm, I'm weird. Uh, but, uh, we do. they mentioned, uh, they show Michael Elias later in the game and he says, uh, Michael Elias, who hasn't signed anyone to a multi-year deal since he's become GM. And I'm like, wait, hold on. I'm sorry. What? And then I looked this up. The last time the Orioles signed a player, a free agent to a multi-year contract was Alex Cobb in March, 2018. Uh, That is crazy. (laughs) And like, and what, what happened in the series? They, 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 the pitchers they acquired at the deadline uh, the reliever from Oakland wasn't even on the roster, Fujinami. Yep. And Jack Flaherty pitched mop up. <laughs> like they 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 deserved this. So congrats to the Rangers for spending and trying and going for it. And they are uh four wins away from going to the World Series. Yeah. I mean, like, congratulations on your your system of the year awards and everything. Yeah, and they'll be very good next home. year again, and sure. they're gonna be good for a while, but I think I think the Orioles, if they're to be taken seriously, like need to need to spend or trade some of the prospects, like go for it, you know, and they, they got what they deserve. And sorry, this is a very, this is a very anti Orioles bias. And I apologize to any Phillies fans who are also Orioles fans. Cause I do know there are some people who are <laughs> there like, there are that. some, um, yeah, yeah no, are. I know, I know. Yeah. Especially um, once you get closer to the Maryland border, but um, yeah, I don't know. I just, uh, just something about everything about the way they went about it bothered me. And uh, I, I think they absolutely got what they deserve. Well, and that should make us all the more grateful for the way Dave Dombrowski has gone about building this team, right? Like, don't, and I guess in in fairness to Matt Clintac with a couple of his moves prior to, to DD coming on, the Phillies are spending money and, oh, by the way, they're in the playoffs again for the second straight year with the chance to go to the NLCS again for the second straight year for the opportunity to, again, go to the World Series because they've spent money to bring in good players. Hmm. Yeah. And then one, one thing to note about, we're talking about the rest of the playoffs. One thing to note uh, for Phillies fans specifically is that uh, if Arizona does sweep the Dodgers tonight in game three, uh, that means the Phillies Braves game four will be at eight Oh seven, not six Oh seven. If it's the only game on Thursday. That is a good programming note as we will, we will not be recording again prior to game four. And it also means that if the D-backs win that series, that should the Phillies advance, they will have home field advantage in the NLCS. So, got to get there, but hello. (laughs) That would be cool. It would be the first time they had home field advantage in a series since 2011, right? I guess if we're not counting the wild card, we have to count the wild card. Yeah, we got to count the wild card. All right. 
fine. Anyway, game three is tonight. It's five o'clock Eastern. Weird start time, but it gets it out of the way early, I guess. If you're one of those who's sort of dreading it, I don't know. I don't know how you watch these games. I, I kind of go back and forth. I, in truth be told. How do you watch? I'm curious. How yeah, you yeah. How so have you been watching these games? I watched the first two games totally on mute. With, <laughs> what? Yes. I did not listen to the broadcast. I was playing music. So it wasn't in complete silence. I was actually listening to a band called Everything Everything. Um, not that that has anything to do with superstition. I do not like listening to the the chop at all. Like it, like it bothers me. So I just mute it. So I just, I don't even bother with it. And I just sort of watch how the game goes without an announcer feed. It's nothing against Brian Anderson, who I think is one of the better national announcers out there. Uh, nothing against Jeff Francoeur, who even though he is a, a Braves color announcer and a former Phillies great. Um, I think he's also terrific. Yeah. yeah, I also think he's French French Tober. It's French. Yeah, right. They're both fine. It's nothing against in this case, strangely, because I do have a long running feud against national baseball broadcasts. It is nothing against this particular crew and the way they are putting things together. Watching Braves games in Atlanta just doesn't make me feel comfy. And so I like muting it because I can get I can do that. I can mute it and I'm fine with that. It makes me feel better. Um, Spencer I feel like I've learned a lot not... about you in the last minute. <laughs> Spencer Strider will not be able to mute the crowd tomorrow when he takes them out. So make sure he <laughs> uh, hears you. This is this is best Larry David. I know everyone. Is, I'm sure that's going to get played a million times tomorrow everywhere. Sure. Right. Yeah. But it was his, well. it was he was not being serious. If anyone was curious. Um, yeah, well, yeah. it doesn't matter. We're going to pounce on that. No, I know. I know. I know. Yeah, of course. Um, interesting. So will you watch the we watch game three on mute, too? Or no. how will you do that? OK, no, no, right. no that's not going to be. Yeah, no. I like what they did. Like they had, they, they made, um, you know, like they, uh, they're trying to get everyone involved on the Phillies radio broadcast, you know, cause there's no TV, right. No local TV. Right. So Tom McCarthy has been doing the middle innings, like maybe four five and six, but then in the later innings, they've had, uh, Fransky paired with both Larry Anderson and Kevin Stocker. And I think it's, I think it's worked really well. I don't know if anyone who's listening is listening to the, also listen to radio broadcast. I know people like to try to sync up the radio broadcast with the, the TV feed, uh, during the playoffs is cause of that disdain for national announcers but uh the three-man booth and the radio i thought uh it was really good that was really cool yeah no they're doing a nice job keeping everybody involved you know the phillies have that luxury i think of having a number of really really good broadcasters um i'm not really sure how much longer tom mccarthy is going to be doing this because his national profile seems to be you know climbing but that's a that's a discussion for another day i don't know i think just for the moment for a guy who had to fill in for you know, a literal legend in Harry Callis that uh, Tom McCarthy has acquitted himself quite nicely over the last 15 years. And that's to say nothing, of course, of Scott Fransky and Larry Anderson and Kevin Stocker and the rotating, you know, group of analysts that have hit the radio over the last few years. Can we, can we end with one thing? Of course. Give me a very specific game three prediction. A very specific. It doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be about the final score who wins. Just give me a very specific game three prediction that we can revisit. I think the game will ultimately be decided on a ball. That's not put in play. Uh, whether that means a bases loaded walk, whether that means hopefully another catcher's interference on Sean Murphy, whether that means, <laughs> um, whether that means fan interference. I don't know. I hope it better not be fan interference. You all better be on your best behavior. Uh, I feel like a ball that is not in play 
will decide this game. How about you? What, what do you have a specific thought or anything coming to you in your Magic Eight Ball? I think Brandon Marsh hits a home run tonight. Beautiful. I'll take that. I'll take that eleven times out of ten. Thank you very much. And that's much more pleasantly specific than mine is. I don't really, I don't really know <laughs> where that comes from. It just felt like, it just felt like a thing. I don't know. We'll see. I can usually read the tea leaves better in the moment. Like I could, I could feel game two slipping away before the Braves really even mounted their rally. Like I've seen that game before in the regular season. Yeah, I think the winner. Game. I think the winner tonight needs at least five runs. Also, oh, oh I, yeah. I think there's going to oh, be, yeah. I think there's going to be runs in this game. Yes, yes, I. I yeah. Now that said, it may not be till later because I want to. I'm not. It, it's a different time of year and it's a weird start time. The shadows might be a factor early in the game, although I'm yeah. not sure because it is uh, October 11th and the sun does set earlier. Obviously, um, yeah. if it's if it's earlier in the year, 507, that's tough shadows. I don't know what it'll look like this afternoon evening, uh, but it might be a factor early in the game. It might be, yeah. So the the sun sets over past left field in Citizens Bank Park when it goes down. Um, it won't be a problem for outfielders, which is nice, but yeah, it could, it could do some weird things with the scoreboard and, you know, that little cutout between the scoreboard and, and the, yeah. the high left field stands down the foul line, you know, maybe something creeps in there. Maybe it hits the light towers. I'm not really sure that part of my amateur meteorology is like, there's a gap in there. <laughs> um, but you're right. No, no, it's something to consider because games do not start at five o'clock out here. No, it's weird. So yeah. it'll, it'll be something weird. to keep an eye on. Okay, great. So I think that's enough nervous energy out of me. For this morning, the Phillies have a game to play. They have two games to win, and they still have a tough task in front of them. But you still have to feel about as good as you can, even with the way game two ended. The Phillies have matchups in their favor. They have the matchups in game three in their favor. And if it gets there, a game five also kind of looks in their favor. Maybe a little bit less so than tonight, but things still look yeah, okay. they'd be dogs, but yeah. 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 Just, so just hang in there, everybody. I, I will do my best to hang in there. It's tough. I don't like watching Braves games, but I have to <laughs> because, well, you know why. Uh, uh, yeah, fine. That's it. It's over. Thank you for listening to Phillies Therapy. My name is Paul Boyer. Thanks, as always, to Matt. Go read his stuff on theathletic.com. Enjoy the game tonight as much as you can. Hopefully the Phillies pull it out. We will be back with you if there is a game five, probably before game five. Yeah. And if not, well, we'll figure it out as this series progresses. We'll, we'll, we'll see how things go. So hang in there. Five o'clock start. Aaron Nola on the bump. Phillies have a chance to retake the series lead and hopefully wrap things up before this thing ever goes back to Atlanta. Thanks again for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you again soon.